with the park owned homes, you're just, your turnover rate is higher. Your expenses are higher. You know, with a lot of people don't realize this up front, but mobile homes are not built with the same materials that, you know, you, you use for single family houses. And, you know, you can't just go to Home Depot and get the, the proper, you know, size windows and doors. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today we're going to be diving into mobile home parks. As some of you guys might know in the past, I've bought a few I've struggled a little bit with my parks, so today I'm excited to dive into someone who hasn't struggled, who's been very successful with them, and that's Mr. Andrew Keel, the owner of Keel Team LLC, a top 100 owner of manufactured housing communities with over 1,100 lots under management across the U.S. He started as a dealer flipping individual mobile home parks and now owns entire mobile home parks across the U.S. Andrew Welcome on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's uh, let's kind of dive right into take us back to your your first real estate deal that got you addicted, uh, and you started to see the true value out of real estate, or maybe if it's your first mobile home park, it might might be the same. Yeah, so the very first deal I ever did, I started uh, out as a wholesaler, and then you know eventually you know graduated into flipping the houses, and then found a couple mobile homes and the rest kind of took a, took hold. But the very first deal I did is I was wholesaling and off of a bandit sign uh, that was in a not so good part of town of Orlando. I got a lead on a house that was for sale for $32,000 or the, that's what the, the seller wanted was $32,000. It was like a, an 800 square foot pink house uh, right off the side of a, uh, a major road. And we picked it up, got it under contract for thirty-two thousand, and assigned it for thirty-seven thousand, and made a, a five thousand dollar wholesale fee within you know a week or so. So that was my very first real estate deal, and it got me got me hooked. Awesome! That single family that wasn't a mobile home park, or was that a mobile that was home? single family? Correct. Okay, nice. Yep. So I did, I started out on the single family side. Did they leave it pink? You know, Orlando fun. You know. <laughs> Walt Disney World, they, they might have played on the theme or did they, did they maybe change it up a little bit or do you know? It's still pink. I drove by there probably a month ago and it's still pink. So they kept the color. All right. Well, there you go. Fit, fits in with the Orlando theme, I guess you could say. Well, yeah. So that, that got you addicted and then kind of take us through what, what led you to now owning 1,100 mobile home parks across the U.S.? Yeah, so that's the number of lots that we own inside of all the the twenty mobile home parks that we we operate. Uh, so I, you know, through being a wholesaler, I was doing yellow letters, I was doing bandit signs, and through a yellow letter that we mailed out, I got a lead on two mobile homes in the Ocala, Florida area, and the seller just wanted out of them. They were in parks and they were paying lot rent on them, and they just wanted to get rid of them. So. I ended up purchasing both of them and getting the titles for $2,200 cash. So $1,100 a piece. I got two mobile homes. Didn't know a single thing about mobile homes, but I figured this was a really good deal. And I came home literally after buying them and got on YouTube and Google and uh, typed in how to make money with mobile homes. 
and I came across a guy named Lonnie Scruggs who wrote a book called Deals on Wheels, and he was teaching a class on how to create mailbox money through buying mobile homes, fixing them up, and then selling them on contract. So that's exactly what I did with these two homes is I literally you know, put in less than a thousand bucks, just painting, you know, some of the walls, fixing some drywall and cleaning them out and put them up for sale. And I sold them on contract for each of them sold for 2,500 bucks down and 250 bucks a month for five years. So if you run the numbers on that, the returns were, were really good. And I mean, that just got me hooked because when I put those two homes up for sale on Craigslist, I had 25 people reach out to me in the first two days to, to apply to buy those things. And that was just a game changer for me to see that amount of demand for the housing product that I had. So after that, I ended up scaling it and we, I did 19 more of those Lonnie deals uh, where I would buy mobile homes, you know, in other people's parks and then sell them, you know, fix them up and sell them on contract. Uh, through that, I met a park owner that, you know, gave me a, an aha moment when he said, you know, the real value is built through the real estate and the, the wealth is, is built through the real estate and not the individual homes, you know, because there's tax benefits with depreciation. There's, you know, you can scale better with financing and, you know, several other factors. So that was a, an aha moment. So I, got plugged in. I went to all the boot camps. I went to, you know, I read the books, Trailer Cash by, by, by Jamie Smith and some other ones and just became addicted and, and just obsessed really with mobile home parks. And then I started doing what I was doing on the single family side with, with wholesaling. I started marketing for mobile home parks across the country. And I ended up cold calling an owner in the Edwardsville, Illinois, Edwardsville, Illinois area and getting a property under contract for $1.34 million. And you know, I didn't have enough money for the down payment or anything, but I reached out to someone that went to one of the boot camp trainings with me, the Frank and Dave MHU boot camp, and you know, said, Hey, if 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 you put up the money, I'll I'll do the the sweat equity part of this and you know, we'll buy this thing and and make a boatload of money. And and thankfully we we did. You know, I didn't know what I know now uh, coming in, I learned a lot through the process, uh, specifically about septic tanks and how trees are, are not your best friend when you have uh, 67 individual septic tanks and 67 individual leach fields, but learned a ton along the way and the deal made sense. We ended up refinancing out all the initial capital within uh, 18 months. So it, it turned out to be a home run deal. And since then, We've just scaled it and we've brought on other investors. We do syndications and, you know, looking to p- potentially start a fund in the near future. That's great. Uh, how many of those were, were park-owned homes and how many were uh, owner-owned homes on that first site that you bought? Yeah. So after attending the boot camp, I learned that you really don't want to go after parks that have, you know, more than 20% park-owned homes. So that first park out of the six, 67 total lots, there were 58 occupied and there was only eight park owned homes that were in process of being sold on contract from the seller. That's great. So they, they were actually selling them. So that you actually didn't technically own any at that point. Um, you, you had them on contract. Is that correct? Had them on contract, but we had the titles. So the yep. titles were yep. still in our hand. 
So then once they've executed those contracts, you know, we would, we would yeah. sell them. Yeah. Well, that's for your first big mobile home park to be able to walk into one that most roundabout way is, is a hundred percent lot only type of park is huge. I mean, a lot oh, of people yeah. get kind of started and they'll have to cut their teeth. It's the way I got started. I, I didn't follow the 20% rule and uh, we went out and bought a bunch of parks across Colorado and in Kansas that had, let's just say too many owner or park owned homes. And I, I do not own any mobile home parks today. So I, I would say that your, your uh, trajectory of doing it right at the beginning, you now own 1,100. I didn't do it right at the beginning. I was stubborn. And I thought I could hack it and I now own zero. So I think that goes to show to the listeners is you just listen to people that know more than you do and don't try to think you can, you can do something that others can't because you can see the direct results of that right here with Andrew and, and Jason. So yeah, I mean, that that's just one of the things we, you know, we did take a chance on a property that had 61 lots in uh, Tennessee and about 35 of those were park-owned homes that were like straight rentals. And one after doing that deal and learning a lot, you know, we found out that the park-owned homes, you know, are really a, a variable. It's hard to budget for those up front and pro forma for, you know, how how quickly you're going to get those occupied, repairs and maintenance needed. So, uh, you know, with the tenant owned home model, we found that you're just, you're, you're, it's easier to create a, a pro forma estimate, you know, in terms of your budget and plan accordingly. And I think you, you know what you're getting into, like you said, and that a lot of people chase cap rate. You can go with a park owned home park at nine or 10 cap. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, why would I not do this? Whenever uh, a tenant owned home park is six or seven cap or something in that same area, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. You're making 4% more. Well, not really. <laughs> I mean, it can, it, we could go into episodes to really show what that, that cap rate. And really when you dive into it, the chances of that actually being a nine or 10 cap because of what you said, the, the variables that are unknown, you know, on a tenant owned home park, that that's what it's going to be historically. There's just yeah. no way what we found out. There's just no way for you to know that for sure, everything stays status quo, that it will be 10 cap next year. There is a high probability that it will not be because there will be some issue. We had bed bugs in one, you know, boom, cap rate goes on that park went from like 10 to six overnight because of a bed bug infestation. Cause someone brought in used mattresses, like a couple of the tenants brought in, found a place that had used mattresses. They were given away somewhere. Well, come to find out they all were infested. So it infested oh. the whole park. So, uh, so anyway, it's, uh, we, we learned, we learn to to listen to people that are like yourself that are much smarter and have shown the process and just follow it yeah i mean you know i'm i was thankful to to get the education i did early on before kind of diving in and you know i think with the park owned homes you're just your turnover rate is higher 
your expenses are higher. You know, with a lot of people don't realize this up front, but mobile homes are not built with the same materials that you know you you use for single family houses, and you know you can't just go to Home Depot and get the the proper you know size windows and doors, and even the drywall is a different size. So uh, that can be more expensive if you have to ship in you know materials from you know a, a manufacturer that's far, farther away. So definitely uh, feel for you. I'm sorry that happened to you. No, lesson learned. That's the what's the pros and cons of real estate. You know, you high risk, high reward. We went as high risk of parks as you could get thinking we could uh, use technology to hack it. Um, and ultimately just wasn't, wasn't worth it at the end of the day. You know, when we had class A new $10 million, $15 million at class A new builds going on in Denver at the same time, we're dealing with a bed bug of infestation. We're just like, eh. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. White flag sure. raised. <laughs> we admit defeat. So, well, that's uh, so you've succeeded in this. You're you're looking like you're you're going to keep growing. Maybe raise a fund. What what are some lessons, just in maybe general, but that can be real estate related or or mobile home park? Anyone who's maybe just wanting to get that first wholesale deal because it sounds like that's how you got into it. What are some, you know, creative ways along the way or lessons you've learned that have just helped you get, get where you are? Yeah. The number one thing that I think is very important for every real estate investor, no matter of asset class, is to realize that time kills deals. And above my desk right here, there's a sign that says time kills deals. Because I think at, at some times, you know, at a certain point, you start to get comfortable. Okay, we have this under contract. You know, this is going to happen, but it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, time ultimately can can create issues for you. So, uh, that's one thing I would get you know comfortable with up front is that you know you need to you need to move quickly. You don't you don't want to sit around and you know think that you have you know thirty days to secure financing. You need to get started on it right after you get a property under contract. Uh, and same thing when you get a property, a wholesale property under contract, you know, you need to, you need to hit the ground running. So that's, that's one thing I would share. Uh, the second thing I would share, uh, about mobile home park investing specifically is that it's very important to do due diligence and, you know, very thorough due diligence and know what you're doing up front so that you can mitigate risks that, you know, specifically with mobile home parks, a lot of the utility infrastructure is is older and is aged. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're not buying something that's going to need, you know, six figures worth of utility infrastructure upgrades. So it's just very important to go through the process, you know, step by step to make sure that, you know, and it is very involved with mobile home parks. I think that's something that's different versus most asset classes is, you need to do, you know, uh, at least 30 days of due diligence on a property to make sure that you check all the boxes. What, what are some of those uh, due diligence items with mobile home parks that you maybe don't otherwise? Sure. So obviously in other asset classes, you're doing the same market research. Uh, you know, what we look for uh, ideally is, you know, a, a metro with 50,000 or more. We look for, you know, average home price above 100000 uh, But I think that might be similar for multifamily and others. Uh, within a mobile home park, you know, the percentage of park-owned homes, the condition of the homes, how old the homes are is going to be very important. If there are park-owned homes, you know, getting inside of them, even if there is only, 
you know, five or 10 of them, uh, making sure you have titles to those mobile homes. That's another process in and of itself that can be very time consuming and expensive. You know, if you're, you're hiring legal help to get that done. Uh, in addition to that, you know, making sure the, our first property that we bought, uh, the pressure, the water pressure coming off the main was 100 PSI and the whole park had an issue with, with water leaks and nobody could figure out why. Well, we, I mean, we fortunately found it in due diligence that there was, you know, super high pressure and uh, we got a, the sellers to install a pressure relief valve prior to us purchasing the property. So that, that helped. You know, there's, there's a ton of other things specific to the utility infrastructure. Like I said earlier, you know, septic tanks and trees don't mix. And uh, when you have to replace a, a leach field at $3,000 a pop, uh, it adds up. So you want to make sure you have a nice, you know, reserve set aside for, for capital expenditures like that. Uh, but overall, you know, I'm a, I, think asset, I think mobile home parks are a great asset class. You know, at the end of the day, supply is shrinking of mobile home parks. You know, every, every year there's more mobile home parks redeveloped or torn down than there are mobile home parks being built. So I think that that adds a lot of value to the asset class and the ones that are maintained at a, uh, a decent level will, you know, be money makers for, you know, the operators. That's great. When it comes to time kills deals, uh, what would you say with being prepared and having a niche or a focus? I'm guessing that if you have that niche and that focus already outlined, when you get it under contract, you already know that it might fit your your criteria. Whereas if you're just out, hey, I'm willing to just buy any deal, I'm guessing your due diligence period is going to be a little longer because you're just scrambling to, to do even some of the big, big picture stuff. So maybe take us through with, with how you got to be where you are with, with maybe focusing. And I'm guessing with the bandit sign, you got a lot of calls from every different asset class. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, you know, I think that's important to note back in the single family wholesaling days, you know, I started with a buyer that said, hey, I'll buy everything under 100000 in this poor, you know, uh, lower socioeconomic area of Orlando. So I, I reverse engineered it and said, hey, that's where I need to put bandit signs. That's where I need to market because if I can get anything under contract here, I already have a buyer lined up for that property. So I think that that's important to be intentional with your marketing, your time and so forth. Uh, and then, you know, same thing with, with mobile home parks, you know, the, the more you can fine tune what type of properties you're looking for, you know, are they of a certain size? You know, one thing in mobile home parks is private utilities. You know, if you have a well or a or septic or lagoon system or a wastewater treatment plant, you really need to know the ins and outs of those systems and what the, you know, regulatory requirements are you know, from the EPA, from the health department and so forth to make sure that you don't buy something and, you know, it, it gets shut down because the whole park could get shut down. You know, I, I, there's one story how the EPA was fining a mobile home park owner $10,000 a day because their septic system had failed and they were leaking raw sewage into the ground. So, you know, there's, there's situations like that that you need to make sure you you know do proper due diligence and you know stick to your criteria you know with what you know because that's how you're going to mitigate the most risk. That's great. I, I see you have an Iron Man shirt on. So are are you 
an Iron Man, I guess. Is, is I'm that not yet. T- okay. I'm not yet. I've, okay. I've done a half Iron Man, okay. uh, but I have my first Iron Man was supposed to be May 31st, uh, but due to COVID, that got canceled. So since then, I've signed up for Iron Man Florida. That's in November of this year. So hopefully that'll happen. And then I'll be an Iron Man. Awesome. Well, why I was going to ask is kind of wh- how might that training? Because it, it sounds like you're a, you're a half Iron Man, you know. So, <laughs> it, so uh, how how might that training and just mentality has kind of played in, into effect of your overall success in the real estate world? Because I see a lot of guys have and gals that are successful in the real estate world have an outside passion that's that's pretty extreme, like an Iron Man type of deal. And they bring that to the real estate because it is, it's a difficult beat them up game. You get beat up a lot in real estate. Yeah. And you training for uh, a half Iron Man or an Iron Man, you know, you're going to, you're going to get beat up quite a bit as well. So I think training for uh, this Iron Man has completely been a game changer for me just mentally. And, you know, I'll never forget the first time I ran 10 miles was in training for this. After that, the next week was like the worst ever. I felt like I was just the, this old man and like all my joints were sore. Like I felt like I was falling apart after running 10 miles. Now, three times a week, I run like 15 to 20 miles. So it's, it, it's, it's changed the game in terms of what you're, what's possible. And I think that's huge for all entrepreneurs, you know, to, to have that next level in terms of your, your mental you know, willpower is huge. And training for this Ironman has been a, a big help for me to know that I can truly do anything if I, you know, I work hard enough and, and you know, have a, a steady approach at accomplishing, you know, such a big feat. So I'm a huge fan of, of Ironmans and anybody that is an Ironman or an Ironwoman, I mean, you have the, uh, I have the utmost respect for you because it is not, you know, an easy, you know, you just decide you're going to do it one day and you go walk out and do it. No, this is a, you have to have a plan. You have to follow the plan and it's, it's mentally tough. You got to be mentally tough to, to get through it. Yeah. And, and you can't just jump into 1,100 <laughs> lots across the U S it's taken you yeah. putting a bandit sign up which led to a wholesale deal, which led to a call on a Lonnie flip your mobile home park, you know, setup, which then led to you meeting a home or entire park owner, which then led you to go to these courses, which led you to owning 1100 lots, which now hopefully will lead, it sounds like, to a, to a fund or additional deals. So you've ironmanned it. <laughs> throughout your real estate career to get you where you are. And, and it's a, a testament to your, your just fortitude, I guess you could say. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely carried over into my professional life. And, you know, I do have a coach for my Ironmans. And, you know, I have a, a coach for a life coach that helps not only with, you know, my business and, and my trajectory there, but also with, you know, my balance and making sure that, Hey, from the, the, the working outside to the, you know, family time to, you know, business that I'm, I'm having a balanced approach, uh, across the board. So I think that's important, you know, for, uh, you know, professionals that get busy and they, you know, they, 
if you're like me, you, you know, you kind of can get distracted and, and be going certain, you know, going deep in any one avenue. But it's important to remain balanced and to know and prioritize, you know, uh, accordingly. So I think that's a big help as well. Yeah, it, it shows the success that it outcome, the outcome uh, and success you've had. And I'm guessing, or without a doubt, I would say, I wouldn't guess that come November, you'll have success and be a, a true quote yeah. iron man hey I, I you're an iron man in my book anyone who is willing that, to run 10 plus miles for fun and grind and honestly anyone who's willing to own mobile home parks after owning a lot myself is an iron man or woman in my books because oh, they're they're willing to uh put up with a lot of s-h-i-t as you said with septic systems and holding tanks and leech fields you you've got your share of kicks. So definitely. And I, I appreciate that. And yeah, you know, God willing, I will be able to, uh, uh, finish that Ironman in November and that'll be a, a big feat for me. That's great. Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break here from our sponsor. And we'll jump right back in the final five. This episode of the creative real estate podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. All right, we are back from commercial break. Andrew Keel is going to jump right into the final five with the first one being, Andrew, what's the most creative real estate deal that you've done? We purchased a mobile home park in Dayton, Ohio, and the property was a 52-lot mobile home park. However, there was only 12 mobile homes that were on the property, and there was a duplex and a single-family house all on this, this, this plot. And it was very well centralized in Dayton. So we took it to a bank and the bank was not willing to finance it because of the occupancy. However, it was in a great area and we were able to purchase this thing for 150 grand. So the pricing was very attractive. Uh, so we went back to the seller and, and worked out a deal where we could finance that deal uh, with you know typ- typical financing. We're like 25% down. We got a 4% rate and it was fully amortized over 20 years. So that I would say that was the, the most creative deal that we were able to structure. And uh, you know, just the cost to rebuild that property would be you know, double the, the purchase price. That's great. What, uh, what are some books or some podcasts, audibles that you're kind of seeing today that have helped you get to where you are in your career? Sure. So as we've built this team and, you know, I now have 32 employees, uh, including all the on-site managers at every property. Uh, one thing that I needed help with was ultimately management and leadership skills. So Craig Rochelle has a, a great leadership podcast that I tune into. There's also Deals on Wheels, which was the book written by Lonnie Scruggs that uh, initially got me into the business. And then there's the book Trailer Cash by Jamie Smith that you know, as well. It has a lot of information about mobile home park, you know, operating and, and, and acquiring properties. So uh, those are a couple great resources that I use. 
That's great. What's, uh, what's one way that you're giving back to the real estate community that's given so much to you over these last few years of your success? Yeah, great question. So I get a lot of people from doing podcast interviews that reach out that are, you know, just trying to get their first deal. And, you know, I always take, take time to try to speak with all of them and give them some insights, you know, and I think a lot of first time operators get caught up on the fact that they think they need to raise the money, you know, first before they find a good deal. And, you know, just telling people that, hey, you need to flip that thinking because when you find a good deal, the money will, will be the easiest part of putting that deal together. So sometimes people will bring deals to me and we'll JV on those deals and I'll help bring the money to those deals. And we've done that a handful of times with people uh, on our mobile home park acquisitions. That's great. Where, where do you see the, the market in kind of general in the foreseeable future? And, and where do you see your guys' self at that time? You know, right now, uh, kind of, I think we're coming out. I think you know of this COVID nineteen pandemic. It's it's been very interesting to see how our asset class has performed. You know, across our our uh, portfolio, our collections remained above ninety five percent every single month, and we're very blessed for that to to have happened. And uh, you know. I think as we progress through the the coronavirus pandemic and and we get this behind us, I think that people will start to look at the asset class and and you know really give it more attention because of the recession resistant qualities that it holds. So I think that we will you know continue to grow and the asset class you know might possibly have some cap rate compression because of the you know recession and inflation resistant characteristics it holds. And you guys still see yourself in the mobile home park game in the next five, 10 years? Oh, 100%. This is our niche and, and this is where we're going to stay. I, in addition to the mobile home parks I own, I also own a mobile home transport and installation business. And you know, we're, we're vertically integrated for sure. That's great. Well, what's, uh, what's the best way that people can reach out to you? We'll throw it in the show notes if they do have some questions or maybe they have uh, a park in their neighborhood that might be a great opportunity for you. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, that'd be great. They can check out my website. It is keelteam.com. That's K-E-E-L-T-E-A-M.com. And you know, feel free to set up a consult with me so that we can set up a time to chat. That's great. We'll throw that in show notes and just kind of recap. We got Andrew Keel here, 1100 mobile home parks. He started off wholesaling. It's the ultimate success of kind of that Iron Man mentality of, of just keep moving forward, fail fast, fail forward type of, type of thing. You know, time kills deals. Just make it happen. Know what you're looking for so you can maybe, maybe jump on it quickly and then also make sure the due diligence is done quickly and very due diligence, very thorough due diligence, mitigate that risk, especially in mobile home parks where you have so many variables that you might not on a single family. And uh, just, just be a good guy. It sounds like Andrew Keel is, is doing that. So uh, follow, follow his success and, and there will be. Awesome. So, well, Andrew, really appreciate you being on today. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing in November the success of the Ironman and, and the new po- home park acquisitions. So I really appreciate you being on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, always my friend, until next time, think outside 
Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>